the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. But I hope and trust in the Lord Jesus soon to send Timothy to you, so that I may also be encouraged and cheered by learning news of you. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. For I have no one like him, that being Timothy, no one of so kindred a spirit, who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interest. For the others all seek to advance their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ the Messiah. But Timothy's tested worth you know. How as a son with his father he toiled with me zealously in serving and helping to advance the good news, the gospel. I hope therefore to send him promptly, just as soon as I know how my case is going to turn out. But really, I am confident and fully trusting in the Lord that shortly I myself shall come to you also. However, I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus back to you. He has been my brother and companion in labor, my fellow soldier, as well as having come as your special messenger, apostle, and minister to my need. For he has been homesick, longing for you all, and has been distressed because you had heard that he was ill. He certainly was ill too, near to death, but God had compassion on him, and not only him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow over him coming upon sorrow. So I have sent him the more willingly and eagerly, that you may be gladdened at seeing him again, and that I may be less disquieted. Welcome him home, then, in the Lord with all joy, and honor highly appreciated men like him. For it was through working for Christ that he came so near death, risking his very life to complete the deficiencies in your service to me, which distance prevented you yourselves from rendering. Now these three men in this text all share the same heart, and you'll see this. They share Paul's heart, for one, and that is the selfless heart of Christ. You see, these men had three distinct different personalities. Paul was a thinker-doer type, a go-getter type. Timothy was more timid and young. And Aphrodites was just a man. Uh, They don't say a whole lot. I call him Aphrodites because it's easier for me. But he was just a guy. He was just a guy. Apostle Paul, you'll remember, is writing this while he's in chains. 
you remember that he is being held prisoner and he is chained to a Roman guard 24-7 as he's writing this. He says, I want to send you Timothy, and Paul refers to Timothy as my fellow worker, my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord, my true son in the faith. And then Epaphroditus, he says, who was sent to you to me by you with gifts and was a fellow soldier in the field, my brother and my companion. They go verse 19, he says, But I hope and trust in the Lord soon to send Timothy to you, that I may also be encouraged and cheered by learning of news of you. Now this is interesting because in spite of impending judgment, in spite of the threat of death, in spite of being chained to a guard, Paul's not reckoning on anything but the will of God. He says, I hope. Now look at the verse, I hope and trust in the Lord Jesus There are no other variables for Paul, no other factors to reckon upon. Paul has placed his hope in God, in God's will, in God's love, and in God's sovereignty. He doesn't say, I hope that I'll be free soon. He doesn't say, I hope that the Roman justice will let me go. He doesn't say, I hope to prepare a good defense to get out of here. Here's the thing that you know, that God is love and that he is sovereign, and he has a plan for your life. And we are obedient. We walk, when we walk in obedience, we walk in the participation of that plan. We get to realize that God is sovereign and He is love in the midst of whatever we're going through when we walk in obedience. When we don't walk in obedience, we doubt Him. We're fearful of the outcome. We believe that our, our lives have gone completely south and that the world is going to take life from us, that man is going to threaten us, everything's going to go awry, and we're going to lose it all. When we don't walk in obedience, we have no confidence in God. But Paul knows this. He's put his trust wholly and completely in God. He doesn't reckon upon anything but God's will. Can you say that? Lord willing in the creek don't rise is not just reckoning upon God's will. It's reckoning upon God's will and, and everything going well. It's a bad saying, actually. The truth for you, Christian, is that Lord willing, period, In other words, I'm yielded to the Lord's will, whatever it is. We don't need to walk around as though we're walking on rotted boards that may fall through at any moment. We are held in place by an omnipotent God. And He has a plan. He's not waiting around for us to see what we're going to choose so He can correct everything around us. He has a plan that He put together before you were even thought of. Paul had no fear of missing God's will for his life. He was living in it. He had yielded to it. He had no fear of missing it. His heart was for God. And this is what we can know. I ask people this all the time. They come to me and they say, you know, I don't know what God's will is in this. I said, what is your heart? What's your heart's desire in this? Do you want to see the will of God in this? Is that your heart? Do you want to see Him lifted up? Do you want to see Him glorified? Do you want to see Him honored? Do you want to realize your your position with Him? Do you want to realize your relationship with Him in this? Is your desire to know Jesus in this? Is that your desire? Is that your heart? Why, yes. Then why are you worrying about His will? Don't worry about His will. Go with your heart. You're a sheep. He's a shepherd. Whose job is it to direct? If your heart's for the shepherd, you will always be with him. If your heart's for you, 
You'll be in the bramble. You'll be in the briar. You'll be stuck in the mud. You'll be in all kinds of different situations. And you know what? God will let you do that because you need to learn to walk with the shepherd. People whose hearts for the Lord, don't worry about those things. You know, as Paul's stating this thing, you know what this is? This is the clarity of a soul, a mind, will, and emotions that is uncluttered by the fear of failure or of men's interruption in the plan or will of God. That's freedom. Can you see that? That's what he wants for you. That's freedom. I know people that can't hardly get out of bed because they're afraid of mistakes. They're afraid of failures. They're afraid of what life's going to do to them. Paul wasn't afraid. Paul was free. And listen, you're going to see that that freedom is, it translates into more than just him being able to sit around and whistle in chains. It translates into him being free with his soul that the Spirit of God can fill him and utilize him to love and and to minister to the people around him without him being so self-absorbed about his own situation. That's why he gave us free. It was for liberty that he set us free. He set us free so that we could minister the life of Christ. If I'm so self-absorbed about whether or not I'm going to be able to keep my job, or about whether or not I'm going to be able to go to school, or about whether or not the neighbor's going to mow his grass, or whether or not I'm going to look good in front of my boss, or whether whatever the issue is, I am not free to love anybody else. I'm too busy trying to garner up love for myself. And that's not what God had for you. Is there any liberty in that? Is there any liberty in trying to milk any self-esteem and trying to milk identity out of the world? Is there liberty in that? Listen, my heart for each and every one of you is that you will know the liberty and the freedom of Christ. And you know what? When you know the liberty and the freedom of Christ, you don't need to know anything else. You will walk in the truth after the great shepherd and you will follow him. And you know what? He's in charge of getting you to the green pastures. He's in charge of making sure that you have enough to consume and the right stuff to consume. And get this, he's also in charge of making sure you rest. He'll make you lie down. Because some of us don't know when. Well, you know what? I'd like, I'd like that. Because I've got my schedule really messed up a few times. I'm either resting too much or too little. And it's never rest. It's just body. It's all rest in the body. But the mind keeps on rolling, doesn't it? The mind keeps on rolling. Rest is not physical. It's in the soul. He says, I am free. I am trusting in the Lord. He had yielded his will to the Lord, and he yielded himself to the sovereignty of God. You know, the psalmist in, in Psalm 33, 9 says, For he, that is God, spoke, and it was done. And he commanded, that is God, and it stood fast. God's will will be done. You don't have to second guess it. Paul's heart was to send Timothy. You know why he wants to send Timothy? Because he knows Timothy's heart. He knows that Timothy's focus is Jesus. And he can send Timothy to the Philippians. He's been with Timothy. He's been on the road with Timothy. He's ministered with Timothy. He had seen Timothy's heart and his clarity of purpose and his his desire to know Jesus in every moment and to see Jesus in any moment. And Paul had no doubt that that would be what Timothy brought to the Philippians. A focus of Christ. And here's the, here's the interesting thing. 
we'll read in a minute that Paul's expecting to be encouraged. You know why he's expecting to be encouraged? Because whoever he sends down there, he's sending men of his own heart that are looking for Jesus. And he knows Jesus is there. That's love. That's trust. That's hope. Timothy would go down there with the focus of revealing Christ and manifesting Christ. That would be his priority. That's the number one thing in Timothy's life. And you know what? It's not because Timothy was doing vocational ministry work. It's because Timothy had come to the place where he recognized there was only one place and source of life for him. It was Jesus. And he was going to live there, regardless of what the world did, regardless of what else happened, regardless of where it led him. Timothy was going to commit his heart, mind, soul, emotions, all that he had to Christ and Christ alone. So when he went down there, he would not be down there promoting himself. He would not walk in there with self-protection as the goal. Because if he did that, he wouldn't have the freedom to love the Philippians. He'd be too busy trying to lord over them to get them to realize how spiritual he was. To get them to, to understand that he, because even though he was young, you know, God had called him to a higher authority. No, that wasn't Timothy at all. Timothy could walk forth in the humility of Christ because he completely yielded himself to the will of God in this and his desire was to see Jesus. And you know, in that position, he was free to love. He was free to minister. He didn't have to calculate the cost. He didn't have to sit around and say, well, they'll, you know, I can love on them, but they'll never receive it. I can, get, I can go over there and love on them, but you know, everything you do for them, it just turns out bad. He didn't go there. He just ministered Jesus. He makes it, you know what? That's, God makes it so simple if we would just realize it. He also knew that Timothy shared his heart for ministry for the churches. You know, Paul had a heart for the churches. And Paul's word to the churches was real simple. It was everywhere that Paul went, first of all, the first, the first thing was that Jesus be presented as Savior to these people. That they know the salvation of the Lord. And then that they know the life of the Lord. Paul's heart for all the churches was that you have been equipped by the Spirit of God. You are a new creation. Now walk in it. That's Paul's message. That's as deep and as profound as it gets. He says, walk in it. Walk in the truth. He says to the Galatians, and I love this, chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, he says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of the human nature without God. For the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are opposed to the flesh, the godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other continually, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. So that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. Now there's been a lot of confusion about this, but it's real simple. It's illustrating the very thing that I'm talking about. You look at the top part of this, it says walk and live habitually in the spirit. That means Walk and live habitually means to make a habit of obedience to yield your will to the Spirit of God. 
Make that your goal, that I'm going to be completely yielded to the Spirit of God. My desire is for the will of God. My heart is for the will of God. I am going to completely yield to the Spirit of God. Now, if you're not yielded to the Spirit of God, then you are gratifying the flesh. Now, the old man was nailed to the cross, he's dead, but every path he ever walked is still in the soul. Now listen, it says very simply that the two are continuously, he said, or if you walk in the flesh, the two are continuously at war with one another. Do you have conflict in your soul? That war is conflict between the spirit and your will. That's what it is. It is conflict between the truth of who you are and your desire to walk after the flesh. To be something apart from God. To pull your identity out of this stuff here. That's where that conflict comes from. And if you do that, you will live in conflict continuously. Look at it. He wants you not to... They're antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with one another. Now, if you've got that going on, do you think you're going to know the will of God? Do you think you're going to put any trust in the will of God? If you were willing to do that, you wouldn't be having the conflict. Listen, the enemy can't bring a storm to you, but you, like Peter, putting your focus on Jesus, can walk right across the top of it. Doesn't mean the storm stops. It means that something besides the water is holding you up. And that is Jesus. And why would we do that? So that you will be free. Because if you don't, you're not free, but you are prevented. Now look at the bottom of that verse. But you are prevented from doing what you desire to do. You know what the truth of your heart is? To do the will of God. The truth of your heart is to do the will of God. But when you walk after the flesh, you have no participation in the truth of the will of God. That doesn't mean God's will is averted or is or somehow not done. But you don't get to enjoy it. You don't get to realize the truth of it. You miss the impact of it. You miss the whole emphasis of it. You begin to think that you walked through this so you would know how to handle it. You begin to think that this world is about you being able to navigate or circumnavigate the problems. You begin to think that you are gaining the prowess, that you're learning from your mistakes, that you are making yourself a better person. But let me tell you something. If you're walking after the flesh, you haven't begun to realize the truth of what you just went through. Because the goal was to know Him, not to avoid the problem. The goal was to know Him. And if you don't understand that, you will be prevented from doing what your heart wants to do, which is to participate in the will of God. Paul says, I want to send him that I also may be encouraged and cheered by learning the news. You see, Paul's looking for a positive report. He's already taken for granted that he's going to get one. You know why? Because love always believes what is best. You don't believe me? Look in Corinthians. Love always hopes. There's no room for the half-empty Christian. 
There's no room for the constant pessimism of people who, who can say, oh, well, I've seen it. I've seen it happen over and over again. I know it's going to go south. I've seen it go south. Over and over. It's been my experience that those things never go well. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, you can either look at what the devil's done or you can look at the truth of what God is doing. And whether you believe that what's in front of you is a failure or not, you're going forward in the will of God. The question is, how's the journey for you? Are you seeing it for what it's intended to be? Or are you just marking time? Or are you just saying, oh, here's another misery for my life? And the interesting thing about that, that just makes you completely self-centered and introspective, doesn't it? Paul continues... For I have no one like him, no one so kindred a spirit, who will be genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interests. Now remember they're in Rome. And y'all remember earlier when we talked about the Roman Christians that were there? Paul says, you know, what he says in Philippians, we read that. Philippians 1, verse 14, he says, talking about his imprisonment, he says, And also most of the brethren have derived fresh confidence in the Lord because of my chains and are much more free and bold to speak and publish fearlessly the word of God, acting with more freedom and indifference to the consequences. You see, the church in Rome was weak. The church in Rome was immature. Why? Because they'd been reckoning upon the strength of man, upon the flesh of man rather than on God. They had more belief in Rome's ability to hurt them than God's ability to keep them. They believed life was all about them securing themselves and had done so by holding back the truth. They believed that somehow life was just survival. And in between times we praise God for the time the bullet missed us. Listen. Paul came and he, he entered into life with full abandon. And they look at Paul's life and they're just absolutely amazed. Here's a man chained to a Roman guard, about to face Roman judgment, impending death, literally before him, considered an enemy of Rome, innocent, chained to a guard, and he's standing in there praising God and sending out ministers and talking about victory in Christ, talking about freedom in Christ, talking about liberty in Christ, and the man's in chains. Well, he obviously has a different perspective, doesn't he? It was his heart. You could chain the body, but you couldn't chain the heart. His heart was given unto Christ and secured in Christ. They had just begun to lay aside their fear of man and their fear of loss to embrace the truth of who they were in Christ. Paul says, I don't have anybody like Timothy. Paul's words about Timothy reflect an intimacy, a common bond of love and purpose that has been developed by the nurture of Christ in him. And listen, here's the thing. Paul wasn't close to Timothy because they both liked fishing. Paul wasn't close to Timothy because they both loved to study. Paul wasn't even close to Timothy because he was a Christian. Did you catch that? Paul was close to Timothy because they shared the same focus. Because they shared the same heart. Because they had the same love. Because they had the same purpose in life. And you know what? That's our bond of union there. That is where we commune with one another. You know, we've talked about this before. The bottom line is that the, the world and, the, and even the church, the religious community, has begun to think that you gather people through the flesh. 
that you attract them by their affinities, that you try to that you try to pander to their flesh and pander to their personalities. So many join the church today for relationship with like-minded Christians, and that's a start. But the relationship that Paul and Timothy had was not built on a need for relationship, but on their shared love and union in Christ. That's where we need to be. This is a selfless union. Because Jesus is the focus. You know, in a lot of big churches, they've got to have lots of ministers. But part of the, what those ministers do, and part of the reason they have such a huge staff, is because they not only have to minister to the flock, they have to police them. They have to make sure that they don't get off on this, or they don't gather factions here, or they don't cause this kind of problem or that kind of problem. They're always trying to tend to the flock to make sure everybody's headed down the same road. Well, here's the truth. If your focus is on Jesus, we have no point of separation. I don't have to worry about directing you. I have one job, and that is to to engender and believe that the Spirit of God is awakening in you a passionate love for Himself. And if you're moving forward in that love, then we don't have to sit around and worry about the direction, do we? Because the focus is Jesus. The ministry is Jesus. The program is Jesus. He directs and guides. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.